I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth in Mission. It's been one month since California reopened, and as much as so many of us wish that this pandemic were over, the reality is, it isn't. And there's been nonstop news to remind us, including the Bay Area has been marked as a federal COVID hotspot. The Delta variant, the more transmissible strain of COVID-19, is now dominant in driving infections. Fully vaccinated people are getting COVID with breakthrough infections. You know at least one person this has happened to, yours truly. And the looming school year just got its latest guidance on mask wearing in classrooms from the CDC and the state. There's no better person to check in with about the latest COVID-19 information than our friend Aaron Alday, the Chronicle's health reporter who has been shepherding us along for nearly a year and a half. So, Aaron, we are about a month out from the state's reopening, and we had a couple of big weekends, Pride Weekend in San Francisco, 4th of July. What's the latest with the COVID-19 trends? Are we doing okay? I would say we're doing okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are definitely seeing the kind of results, the fallout of both reopening, as as you mentioned, um, having a couple of, of big sort of gathering things. I don't know if we're seeing the effects of Pride just yet. But we're definitely seeing effects of the 4th of July, um, and we're seeing that reflected in, you know, our cases are definitely up um, across uh, California, in the Bay Area, across the whole country, certainly. Um, I think that's been out there a lot that we're seeing certain parts of the country are really seeing elevated um, um, cases and hospitalizations. It's not quite the same um, in California and the Bay Area, but we are definitely seeing the effects of that. And the Bay Area was just put on a federal hotspot list, right? What does that mean exactly? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a little bit um, challenging because so the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention sort of keeps these um, does these like weekly tabs on where what trends are happening in in sort of the biggest um, urban areas in the country. Um, And it's usually like a list of like the top 10 places with the most sort of um, trends going in the wrong direction. Right. Mm -hmm. So the biggest increases in cases and that kind of thing. And the Bay Area made that list for having a very large increase in cases week over week. Um, I think we were we were like number 10 on that list. So we were kind of at the bottom of of that list. And I will say that if you compare us to every other place on that list, we look a lot better. Our positive test rate um, which is a very important marker of, of kind of how much illness is out there. So that's the percentage of um, of tests that come up positive. Ours is still for the Bay Area under 2% and other places on that list were, you know, up to 12%. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they were like some places a lot higher. So that's kind of telling. But but I guess what that what that tells us is, you know, we are definitely seeing something going on there. Um, I don't again, I don't think we're nearly in as bad a place as the rest of the country, um, even the places that were on that list with us. But it should definitely be a, a red flag to people that this is a real thing that's going on. We are definitely seeing cases trending in the wrong direction. And can that be blamed to this Delta variant that we're hearing so much about? For sure. Um, I think that that is definitely, you know, it's a combination. It's an unfortunate combination of reopening this June 15th reopening happening at the exact same time that this really highly uh, transmissible variant started um, dominating really in uh, in California and the rest of the country. Um, I say coincidental, but, you know, really, obviously, those two things kind of go hand in hand. The Delta variant is probably picking up because we reopened and there's just a lot more kind of people interacting and more opportunities for this this virus to spread. But the virus also 
is much easier spread now because of this variant. So those kind of two things just just came in together. And I think that's that's a big part of why we're seeing this this blow up in cases, um, especially the blow up in cases over the last month. Have we learned anything new about the Delta variant at this point? Because we know that, as you mentioned, transmission is easier with it. Uh, What else are they finding out about how Delta is sort of a game changer? Yeah, I think we're learning quite a bit. It's it's thought to be up to twice as infectious as the original strain. So that first strain that came out of China um, a year and a half ago um, in early 2020, um, it's it's thought to be about twice as infectious as that and 40 to 60 percent more infectious than this alpha variant, which I think we all had heard about. It's probably distant memory now because this thing moves so fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that was the one when alpha came along. We're like, oh, this is the game changer. This thing spreads so re- so readily. It's going to really spike our cases, which it did. And now this Delta variant is, you know, 40 to 60 percent even more infectious than that alpha variant. So the point being is just when you're in a space with somebody and, you know, it, it takes less time in, in, in an infected person's space for the virus to spread. Um, so you you don't need quite as close of contact. Um, it's just and and you're not going to get lucky as much. Right. Like if if people have been able to kind of dodge previous versions of this, this virus just by luck, you know, they're just, um, you know, we're in the same space as an infected person and they just, you know, didn't happen to get infected. Your chances are are much higher now that that you're you're going to get it. You're not going to be able to escape it like you you were able to once upon a time. And we keep hearing, and we know this is true from all the science and what we're seeing with trends now, that if you're fully vaccinated, you should feel fairly confident in the social settings that you're in. But let's talk a little bit about breakthrough cases because that has been happening, right? Yeah, we're definitely seeing breakthrough cases, um, which was always expected. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these these vaccines, even though they're really, really great, um, you know, the, the the mRNA vaccines are thought to be 90 to 95 percent effective um, at preventing an infection. And um, and the Johnson and Johnson, let's say somewhere in like the 80 to 90 percent range, um, they've They've certainly lost some effectiveness. We know against this Delta variant, it's probably not a lot of of effectiveness. Um, I think we're still there. Still is a lot of study happening about that now. I think people get frustrated because we want to know right away, like what are the answers here? What's you know how well protected are we? And it's just really hard to collect that data in real time. I mean, this variant has really only been on a global stage for a month or two, mm-hmm. so. You know, we just kind of have to get the numbers up to figure out what's going on. But I think we're definitely seeing that there are more breakthrough infections. Um, you know, people who are getting sick, getting test- testing positive after being fully vaccinated. Um, so, so there's, you know, we're we're going to see more of that. Um, certainly, I've talked to more people who, you know, fall into that. Um, but for now, the 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 vaccines do seem to be holding up on preventing very serious illness, um, which includes hospitalizations and deaths. So, you know, hospitalizations and deaths um, among vaccinated people make up of just a super tiny proportion of, of the overall numbers at this point. You're listening to Fifth and Mission. You can support this show and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. To turn our attention to a population that isn't vaccinated, which are, you know, kids under the age of 12, masks are still really important. And we know that the state just posted some new guidelines for K through 12 students and teachers. What are they saying? 
Right. So um, just as a little bit of a little bit of background, the CDC last week issued its new guidelines for schools, which says that as long as kids and, you know, teachers are vaccinated, they don't have to wear masks in schools anymore. California said we're going to be stricter than that in K through 12 schools. Everybody has to wear masks indoors, um, whether they're vaccinated or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of, they, they have just a very a universal policy that is different from what CDC um, um, had advised. And, you know, they're thinking in California is it's just there's a lot of reasons for it. I think the main thing comes down to it is is that masking is sort of our most important, you know, protective tool for unvaccinated people. And especially with kids under age 12, they don't have the option to be vaccinated. But, you know, we also don't have great vaccination rates among the older um, kids at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, Just just on Tuesday, the state said that about a third of 12 to 15-year-olds have one shot at this point. So that's mm. very low uptake for now in that age group. Um, it's a little bit better in the in the older teenagers, but still far below what we're seeing in you know older adults. And so I think their thinking is, we're just not messing around with this. With this Delta variant out here and sort of we're, we're hanging on to this sort of tenuous control as we reopen, we don't want to give kind of this these, this virus an, an entry point into our schools by by letting people kind of make their own decision about masks. So and and also it just makes it easier for enforcement. Schools don't have to worry about you know sorting out who's allowed to wear a mask, who isn't allowed, who who must wear a ma- wear a mask, and who may not. Um, and it also kind of deals it it it, it deals with kind of the, the stigma issues mm-hmm. around you know who's vaccinated and who's not, and who has to wear a mask and who doesn't. Right. And the school reopening, I would imagine, is just going to be a really big benchmark for this pandemic to see in terms of all the vaccination rates and the safety measures in place. That's going to be a game changer, don't you think, in terms of how well we're doing in the pandemic? Yeah, I think it's going to be a huge I mean, certainly everybody's going to have their eyes real closely on that, Um, you know, for a number of reasons. I mean, yeah, California's never really had widespread school reopenings. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of ways, we don't really know what to expect. I mean, we've seen what's gone down in other in other countries. We can sort of have some expectations from that. But, you know, it's going to and you know, between the the Delta variant and not knowing, you know, what cases are going to look like in the state and just the fact that we haven't done this on a wide scale before, it's it's going to be a huge shift and, and it's going to be an important marker of how well controlled we have this thing. And what about the latest news on vaccine side effects? On Monday, there was a warning issued about a neurological disorder for the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Should we be worried? No, I don't think so. Um, I know it's sort of um, it. It sounds a little dismissive to say this, and and not trite, but but I do think that there's almost a reassurance to take from those reports mm. because it tells us that the the government is doing its job and staying on top of you know all sorts of of side effects. These called they call these adverse reactions to the vaccine. Mm-hmm. So I mean personally, I I do take reassurance when I see they're like, okay, we've had a hundred reports of this neurological disorder. Well, a hundred reports out of thirteen million doses is negligible. I mean that's just so small. So it's to me, I'm like, oh, that's I'm glad that they're they're staying on top of that. They're like 
able to find those rare cases, mm-hmm. you know, amongst these millions of vaccines given out. Um, and that's the same with some, you know, we've seen some issues of heart inflammation with young people mm-hmm. given the vaccines um, and also a blood clotting disorder. So, you know, we've had a couple of these reports. They've all been, you know, very thoroughly vetted. We're still tracking these cases. Um, we have multiple panels that are that are watching these things and sort of doing the risk benefit analysis. And I, I feel like, you know, we should honestly be reassured that this is all playing out as it should. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, it kind of makes me think, OK, these vaccines are safe. They are holding up, you know, as we keep finding these these very rare events. Have we also learned anything new about vaccine hesitancy in the Bay Area and how we can help with that effort? Because, you know, I know generally the Bay Area has been pretty good. We've done well in terms of vaccination rates. But are we learning new things about vaccine hesitancy in certain communities? I don't know that we're learning so much about where that hesitancy comes from. I think it comes from where we sort of expected it, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it, it depends on the community, depends on the individual, it depends on politics, um, you know, a whole bunch of those factors that I think most people, it's it's honestly a case where what you've heard about vaccine hesitancy is, is probably true or there's some truth to it. Yeah. Um, I think what we're learning is just how best to approach that. Um, and, you know, one of the things that's come up in this is in regards to this Delta variant is that a lot of folks, it just takes many conversations over time. And it's a matter of finding that one little moment when they're like, OK, maybe I will. Mm-hmm. And making sure that you have that shot in hand to give to them as soon as they waver. <laughs> like as soon as someone has that moment of being like, OK, you know, I, I guess so. You want to get them that hour. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and it might take multiple conversations. But, you know, the concern is that this this Delta is really so aggressive that there's some folks who are feeling like we just don't have time to keep being patient with folks and to keep sort of gentling them through this process because this thing is just so vicious. Right. So realistically, if you had to sort of look into your magic crystal ball, what's the future outlook on all this? Will we ever get out of this? Or has COVID just become a part of the fabric of our lives like the flu is? Will we need to get booster shots every so often? Is COVID just a mainstay for a while? I mean, the answer is both. Like, we're going to get out of this. But yeah, it's pretty much always going to be with us. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, we we will definitely put this pandemic behind us. And, you know, that's going to even happen in stages. There will be the we've put this pandemic, be, uh, you know, behind us in the Bay Area and the California and the United States where it really is just sort of not a factor in our lives. Right. Mm-hmm. Like even still now, it's 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 a thing. It's a thing we have to think about and worry about. And and we still have to wear masks in places like it's still on our minds a lot. Um, even though things are looking really good, I would my guess would be we're still going to be in that mindset through the end of this year, mm-hmm. um, partly because I think the fall and winter are, are another big unknown. Will we see cases climb again with with the winter like we do with the flu? Um, I mean, we saw a big winter surge last year for a number of reasons. Will we see we're not going to see something like that, but we might see another uptick. So I think at least through the end of the year, for a lot of reasons, we're still going to be this is going to be a huge part of our daily lives. It's something on our minds. Next year is when, you know, we might really start putting it behind us and living with it like we do with the flu, where it's just sort of, you know, sitting there in the background and we're kind of aware of it. Mm-hmm. But, but it's not something that affects us day to day. Can't wait for that day. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Well, the, you know, the news keeps changing a little bit and I appreciate you updating us on the latest. So thank you, Aaron. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. 
Erin Alday is The Chronicle's health reporter. You can find her reporting on sfchronicle.com or on The Chronicle app. Special thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode and to you for listening. <laughs> 